Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way in our hearts today. Speak to us what you want us to hear. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The beautiful day is over. I'm already nice. I tried. I tried. But I'm like, after a while, I was like, whoo, I'm a big guy. I got big things to do. All right. You guys know, you, you may not know this. When I was in high school, I worked at um, Panera Bread. So three years out of high school, I worked at Panera Bread. Um, also during that time, I worked part-time at Foot Locker and kid, Kids Foot Locker. So at different seasons. But all through high school and then two years into college at Raymond, I worked at Panera Bread. So a total of five years. And while working there, because I'm a larger guy, I tried everything on the menu. <laughs> it's only right. You know, you work there. I, they put me in the food area where I'm preparing the sandwiches and the soups and the salad. I tried everything that was on the menu. I can tell you, without a shadow of doubt, that there's not a menu item, maybe back in those days, I mean, maybe not now, but back in those days that I didn't try. And after a while, you grow tired of eating those things. If you ever worked in a restaurant, you know what I'm talking about. I also worked at, at McDonald's my ninth grade year. You grow tired of those menu items. So I had to get creative. I started to make and create my own meals. I first started off with soups. I started mixing my soups. And I know some of you guys are like, that's weird. But it was delicious to me. I still to it, do it to this day. My wife will tell you. I took uh, chicken round rice, mixed it with broccoli cheddar. Mmm! Delicious. <laughs> right? I was mixing all types of stew. I started making my own sandwiches. But the best thing I ever created at Planet, uh, Planet Fitness. <laughs> it's the opposite of Planet Fitness, right? <laughs> I work there too. What's up? All right. Best thing I ever made at Panera Bread, I call it a fat boy salad. And I know some of you guys ran right away. There was no lettuce on there. Ha ha. That fat boy salad had maybe a sprinkle of lettuce. But that fat boy salad was the best thing I've ever created. It got so good that my brothers would come up there and say, hey, can you make me a fat boy salad? I'm like, man, I got you. I'm not going to tell you the recipe because if I told you, I'd have to kill you. (laughs) But it was a delicious salad. To this day, sometimes, I try to recreate the fat boy salads. But something about the ingredients at Panera Bread makes it a lot harder to create that again. What am I getting at? Some of us, we were born into a certain family And our families, after a while, you know, it it didn't give you what you really needed out of those families. So you need to create the family that you want. I know you've been a part of this family for years, and I know you think your family is awesome, but if you took a step back, and some of our families, there are some amazing families out there. Just want to point that out. But some of our families, not so much. Some of our upbringing was tough. Our parents abused us physically, emotionally, and the other Lee. Um, our families, our, our, our parents were separated. As for my household, six boys growing up by ourselves because our mama and my mom and dad were separated. And we were by ourselves in the house most of the time doing God knows what with who knows when and who knows how. Some of our families were disgruntled. And we're not proud of our families. We can even be embarrassed by our family. Let me tell you this. I love my family. And yet I say I need a new family. My brother's... Most of them were here. My one brother, Benjamin, 
bear with me. I was talking with somebody in that corner. I'm not sure where. I'm not sure what we were talking about. But Benjamin walks up with a cane and hit me in the yoo-hoos while I'm talking to somebody. And it hurt. That's family. You love them, but they're going to hit you where it hurts worse. You get, you get the picture, right? That's family. You can be embarrassed by your family. The point is, we want to encourage you today to find your people. And when you find your people, you can create the family you want. You're not limited. You're not limited at all. Because the beauty of God is, he says, I know you were created in that family. But I want to place you in another family to show you my real love. When I moved to Maryland, I got surrounded by people, my people, that we created family. So much so that when we go home for Christmas, Mama Avant, Dad Avant, Michael, Sandy, Bridget, Richard, Corbin, we all get together. And at some point during Christmas time, after sitting around, joking, cracking, I'm mean, having fun, singing, because they love to sing black. They love to sing. We're going to get down to sing. Hoo gee. Right? We're going to get down with that, right? But at some point, Mama Avant will look at either Pearl or myself and go, Stephen has had enough. She knows me so well that she will go, Stephen has had enough. It's time for Stephen to leave. <laughs> Meaning, she knows that something happens on the outside, it clicks in my brain, that I had enough interaction with people, I need to be by myself. That's how well she knows me. I want you guys to get a family that knows you that well. That they can look at you and go, huh, Miriam, you had enough. Or you, you need to stop, Miriam. That's what they really need. Miriam, you need to stop, right? Get a family that can do that for you. So I want you to understand this. We all have a need for a sense of belonging. We all have that need for a sense of belonging. This is, I looked it up online It says a sense of belonging is the subjective feeling of deep connection with social groups, physical places, and individuals, and collective experiences. It's a fundamental fundamental human need that predicts uh, numerous mental, physical, social, economical, and behavior outcomes. Do you realize if you don't feel like you belong, your whole life is affected? They did a study on students looking at students' life and see those students that have good grades versus those students that struggle in school. And they found out that a majority of students that have good grades felt like they belonged. I don't know if it's a group of kids that they hung out with. I don't know if the teacher made them feel accepted. But when you have a group of people that make you feel belong, you thrive. There's nothing like that in us. Let me make sure I say that correctly. If you don't have that, you're missing out. You need to feel like you belong. My pastor in, Detroit, um, in Maryland, his name was David Black. He would often say, people, um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care because it's that sense of belonging that they desire. They don't care the information you want to give them. If they don't feel like they belong, if they don't feel like you care for them, they don't care. They don't want to know. That's what we're getting at. I want you guys to be in a place where you have your people, your rider dies, that you can thrive. When we get to that point, it'll be the best thing ever. That's why we encourage you guys to get in small groups. All right. I want to read this to you because this happened in Jesus' life. At some point, Jesus was ministering to a large crowd, and it was so crowded in the room, and his mother and his brothers came. And here's what it says in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. It says this. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. 
Understand it was crowded in the building. This, transla- this uh, part of the scripture, it doesn't tell us this, but other places in the Bible does. It was crowded in the place. So, so someone told Jesus, your mother and your brother are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asks, who is my mother and my brother? Which is an interesting question. If I'm in the room, I'm like, um, I know your mother and brothers, those are outside. It's like a dumb question. Who is my mother and my brother? Jesus asks. No, no, no. Not the people that are outside. But he asks that simple question to get them to think deeper about the question. Right? And then he goes on to say this in verse 49. Then he pointed at his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Understand, Jesus created the family he wanted. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overtook Mary, and Jesus was born, so he knew who his father was. And his mother had a whole bunch of other kids. And when he looked at them, it wasn't that he was saying, I want nothing to do with them. It wasn't that he was saying, I don't want anything to do with this family. They're crazy. They think I'm a lunatic. At one point, they thought he was crazy. They didn't believe in what he was going for. He didn't say that. He was pointing at the people that he created as a family, the disciples that surrounded him, that he pours into and they pour into him, that he does life with, that he spends every waking moment with. He said, the people that I surrounded with, those are my brothers and sisters. The benefit of being a part of the church is we're automatically a part of God's family. And when you look around this room, you are now brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just for me, not just for your neighbor, but you're also Jesus' brothers and sisters. So when he looks at us, he's saying, hey, if you're looking to create a family, look at the people around you. They may look different than you. Some of them have a lot of hair. Some of them got no hair. They wish they had hair, right? Some of them are young. Some of them are old. Some of them are black, white, Hispanic, Asian. Some of them are larger. I know you got, some of them are larger. Some of them are smaller. But the people around you, Jesus was saying, that's my brothers and sisters. Jesus created intentional family. Sometimes you have to do what Jesus did. You have to create the family you want. Because your family didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. I know. I've been there. Understand what Jesus did when he was making disciples. If you look at the story, you'll find out that Jesus was walking around on the Sea of Galilee at one point, and he called fishermen to come follow me. They dropped everything they had or what they were doing and followed Jesus. Another time, he saw a tax collector at a tax booth. He told him, come and follow me. He dropped everything he had and come follow me. Some other guys went and told other people, like the guy that was sitting under the tree, he said, hey, you need to come find out about this Jesus. And then when he came to Jesus, Jesus was like, hey, I saw you under the tree before you got here. It blew his mind so much that he said, you know what? I want to follow this guy. I'm telling you guys that Jesus was intentional by what he did and what he said to create the people around him. We need to be intentional as well. Maybe you need to join a small group. I'm going to keep hitting on that because it's so significant. Because if you're trying to do this life alone, you're missing out. Because at some point, something bad is going to happen. I had the privilege this week to be an Uber driver for one of my good friends. He needed to go around Georgia. I dare to say we went around a lot of Georgia. (laughs) We traveled most of Friday going looking for cars. 
if, he, if I didn't make myself available to him, he probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to go look for cars that day. Sometimes you need people to do that for you. I want you to, I want you to hear. I asked our small group leader, the person that's over small groups. Her name is Misty Ingram. I asked, yeah, give it up for Misty. I asked her, I'm not even sure of the question, but it was along the lines of why is small group so important to you? And here's what was her response. She said, first of all, Pastor Stephen, you are the most handsomest man I've ever saw. Thank you. Thank you. I wish Chris could be more like you. I'm sorry, Chris. No, that's not what, I just wanted to join a little joke, sorry. She said this, I am so passionate about small groups because of the family that you create. The families we are born into, we have no choice. We don't get to pick who we share our burdens with or even who we celebrate with. But as an adult, we do. Some of us don't come from the best families and have a, uh, or have a perfect childhood. When God called me to lead small groups, I had no idea what his plan was. I just knew I was supposed to lead. After all these years have passed, year after year, I, I still get excited about sharing with my small group all of my victories, all of my sadness when I need prayer and just need someone to talk to. I never, they never make me feel like a burden or that I'm too much to handle. She is. <laughs> just want to... We celebrate their children. We check on their husbands when they are not around. We carry food to families uh, who we know. One of our girls was mentally and physically not able to do. We showed up at each other's doors to pray for them. We hunted for objects someone need for their kids' project or a recipe. We surrounded homes and, to pray. We pray for jobs, broken cars to be healed, physical, uh, mental imperfections, and we've prayed for our pets, even the pets they're praying for. There is not a day that goes by that I'm not thankful for this family. God chose us to do life together, and I see why. No one ever is judged, even if they don't have the money to participate or simply don't want to do an activity they don't want to do. No one judges us for what we wear, how our, or how our hair is. We love each other. I always tell people that truly the only two things we all have in common, all 22 of us, is that we love each other and we love Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. Our small group leader laid the groundwork for what we're talking about today. If you can get past your own if you can get out of your own way, if you can get past your own pride thinking that you don't need anyone, if you can remove the obstacles of I'm too busy, I have my kids involved in everything, I, I'm overworked and underpaid, and I get all those things are true. If you can peep through that, that wall that has been keeping you separated from everybody else and get in a small group where you can experience this firsthand, it will change your life. It is nothing like having someone to lean on. I'm reminded of songs. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'm sorry. I'm reminded of songs. Friends, doom, 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 doom. How many? Not many of you got caught that. I see what congregation I'm in. That's okay. How many of us have them? 
friends, doom, 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 the ones we can depend on. Okay, now, we, I got to go with my country songs. Here we go. <laughs> These are my people. This is where I come from. Nobody knows anything. All right. This is a, a Christian holy, this, uh, Jesus loves me. Not even that. Y'all don't, oh man, I don't even know what to do around here. If you can get past and get out of your own way, you can experience so much more. Here's what I want you to know today. These are my only three points, and I'm going to go through them really fast, and then I'm going to just keep talking for a little bit. My only three points is, when looking and trying to create the community that you want, the family you want, when you're trying to find your people, ask the first question, do they love Jesus? I can't stress that enough. We should not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That comes from marriage. That also comes from friendship. Ask yourself, do you love Jesus? Do they love Jesus? Here's why. You're going to find yourself, if you're hanging around with the wrong people, in compromising situations. You're going to be like, how did I get here? Because you're wrong. You're surrounding yourself with the wrong people. You got friends that are going to want to take you places. Hey, let's go grab a beer and and chit-chat. And you're going to feel the pressure of going to grab a beer and chit-chat. I'm not saying beer is wrong. I want you to hear what's going on. You're going to find yourself in compromised predicaments. My brother had a friend who loved to go to the adult, I don't know what it's called. Adult, no, the man adult thing, not the adult store, the, I'm glad you guys don't know. I'm trying to look for the right word. Gentleman's club, who said that? Thank you. The gentleman's club. He loved to go to gym club, and he was often taking my brother, who was a Christian, who was going to church on a regular basis. And he found out how, how much turmoil that caused in his relationship with his wife. The wrong friends are going to take you to the wrong places. You should have friends that, as Proverbs says, iron sharpening iron. You know, you have people that love God, that you get around, that they want to talk to you about God. They're going to let you vent, but then they're going to be those ones that are like iron sharpeners iron. Okay, I know you're down to discourage. I know this sucked, but here's what God's word says. Those are the friends you want to get on. So number one, you want to ask them, do they love God? If they love God, you don't even, and honestly, if they love God, you don't even have to ask them. Because when you love something, you brag about it. Come on, how many Georgia dog fans do I have in here? And when you love something, you brag about it. Right? Even though they lost to Alabama, let's call that what it is this year. I just want to point that out. Alabama, let's go, Bama. And Alabama lost to Michigan. Let's go. That's, I was just getting there. Go blue. That's all I was doing. I don't know if you saw that. That's all I was really getting to. Sorry, I just had to bring that back and tell you who the national championships of 2024 is. Whew. Okay. May not ever happen again, but I'm celebrating. This day, I don't even care. All right, sorry. When you love something, you brag about it. We all do it. You see a good movie, you brag about it. I'm going to tell you about my favorite shoes. I was looking at Coach because he with me. We brag about it. We love shoes. When you love something, you brag about it. Cars, you love something, you brag about it. So you don't actually have to ask them, do they love Jesus? They're going to brag about it. You're going to see in their life. You're going to see in their walk. Number two is, do they love people? Here's what I want you to understand, though. How can you say you love God and don't love the people you're around? That's in the Bible. The people you see every day, how can you say you love God 
and you don't love people. And those are, again, another one of those things you don't have to ask. Because how do they talk about other people? How do they treat other people? You can see it. When certain people walk in the room, do they walk the other way? Okay. I was talking to my friend. And we were in the car ride. And something he shared with me, I'm going to share, just briefly, and not mention any names. He was at a church visiting. And when he pulled up to a certain church, he pulled up next to a certain person. And they pushed the handle, I mean, the, the locks on the door down. You guys may not know what I'm talking about. You may not understand this. But how you treat people, even with the pushing of the lockdown, when certain people of a certain look, not even a different complexion, of a certain look pulls up to you, and you push the handle down, that affects how you feel. So you can say, do that person really love people? If I came in your face and I was talking something crazy, like off the wall, let's just say, for instance, if I came into your face and I was talking about how much I love the Georgia Bulldogs and you were like, I can't stand them right now. I'm only using them. But would you still love me if I was bragging about how good the Georgia Bulldogs was and you couldn't stand them? How do you treat those people? I'm just, I'm just giving you this situation because I want you to see Maybe you are one of those people that need to change how you love people. Are you only surrounded by people that look like you? Maybe you need to change that as well. People who love people, they thrive in all environments. Pastor Victor said this about me when, I, when he spoke about me a couple weeks ago. He said, there's not a stranger, he was trying to say this, there's not a person that Stephen ever meets that's a stranger. And I, I laugh because he always says it about me, but I don't feel that way. But anytime he's around me, whenever we go places, he's like, Did you, how do you know that guy? I'm like, I don't know that guy. I just met him. I just talked to people. God gave me a heart for people. I want to know your story. Right? Get around people like that. If you're trying to create your family, you want to have people that love God and they love people. That's the, that was God's commandment. When Jesus came on, he said, love God and love others. Then the last question you want to ask is, does this group of people love me? Stop trying to force yourself on people that don't want nothing to do with you. Let's just be real. When you walk into, when you walk into Popeye's chicken, if they're not serving you correctly, walk out. I say that because I love Popeye's chicken and they serve me just fine. Stop trying to force yourself on people when, we, when we're trying to create our, our people. When we're trying to create the family we want. I'm just saying, you need to get with people that actually love you. People that are actually going to put up with you. Because people that love you, they put up with your mess. That's what makes a strong marriage. <laughs> my wife puts up with my mess. Oftentimes, she will come sit and talk to me while I'm dropping my mess. I get a little graphic. Don't worry about it. You'll get used to it. Your spouse puts up with your mess. You guys know how many times I have been in the kitchen and I have seen the dishes in the dishwasher and mumbled under my breath. I, can't, I mean, not dishes. The dishes in the sink, unorganized in the sink and mumbled under my breath. I can't believe these people. You know how to put the... I have told you many times, put the dishes in the sink. You put the plates at the bottom, put the bowls on the top. I'm just mumbling. My wife puts up with that. Because she hears it. I'm not mumbling so low that she don't hear it. I'm mumbling low enough so that she hears it, Ella hears it, Steve is here, because I want them all hearing me complain. 
people who love you put up with your mess. Let me show you, let me show you some pictures. I want you to show you, show you some pictures of people who are in my group. The, the family that I created. Your family you create, they're going to pray for you. I know that's, that's funny. That's my little man praying for me. But that's, your family you love, they're going to pray for you. The family you love, they're going to... That's me and Ella using the restroom together. You're going to sit in each other's mess together. You're welcome, Ella. The family you love, and Steve is right there. You're going to be able to rest in their arms. Because they got your back. The family you love, <laughs> you may even exercise together. I was trying to exercise, and he got on my back because he wanted to join me in the exercising. As you can tell, I haven't gone back to that. <laughs> the family you love, they may even have to entertain me sometimes. This is, my kids have put on a circuit show for me. That's what that picture was. It's kind of dark, but you can't see it. The family you love, you play games together. Talk about if you're going to create the family you love, right? The family you love, do I have any more? You may even just go dancing. Any more? The family, they're going to get crazy together. You won't see that many pictures of my wife in these photos because I was looking for embarrassing things and I didn't want to embarrass my wife because I have to sleep next to her. Create the family you want. Let me read some scriptures to you for you. Because, oh, I'm sorry. If I had to tell you guys of all the people in the Bible that did this, you would be blown away. But I just want to tell you one person. There was a man named Jonathan in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. He had a father named Saul that was a crown prince. He was crowned prince, which means he was next in line. He was the oldest of his father's children. And he saw a young man that did extraordinary things. And he saw his heart, how he loved God. And he said, I want to create my family with this guy. His name was David. David had slew Goliath. The king was so impressed by him, he brought him into his house. Not just to play hard, but like, let's just, let's let him be around here. Let's put him in charge of the armies. And this is what Jonathan did in 1 Samuel chapter 18. I'm reading the message because it reads it so well. It's a paraphrase. You can read the original. It says this in 1 Samuel 18. By the time David had finished reporting to Saul, because he had came back to Saul and he was reporting, he was sharing his heart with Saul, all that had happened. Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. You need someone who's going to be your number one advocate and friend. Saul received David into his own household that day. No more did he return home with his father. Jonathan, out of deep love for David, made a covenant with him. He formalized it with solemn gifts, his royal robe and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt. Jonathan saw somebody who had the same heart that he had, that loved God, that loved people, and then in return, they actually loved him. And he said, I'm gonna, I can't stop this. I'm going to build a relationship with this man. And he forged a relationship with David. So much so that his father wanted to kill him. You have to read on in 1 Samuel. At one point, Sal, I mean, Jonathan's father wanted to kill, tried to kill Jonathan. Because he was protecting his friend who he had made that bond with. 
Are you willing to protect your family? The, the family that you created, are you willing to protect them to the point of risking your life? That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, no greater friend than this to lay down his life for one's friend. No greater love than this to lay down his life for one's friend. That's what we're after. Creating that family that you want requires things of you. So ask yourself those three questions again. Do they love God? Do they love others? And do they love me? If you can check all those things out, I dare to say that may be a good group to be around. It doesn't have to be the same people that look just like you. I encourage you not to be the same people that look like you. They don't have to like the same thing. You may like fishing. They may like football. You may like driving a car. They may like riding next to you in the car. I don't know. That's opposite. Right? You may like, I have friends that like going on, the, on hikes and all that stuff. I think they're crazy. Right? I don't know why Stephen wants to go on a hike. Right? Get, I want to go to the beach so I can lay on the beach with my belly. Show off my belly. You know? That's what I want to do. But he wants to go on a hike. You may have people from opposite side of the world. That's okay. Do they love God? Do they love others? And most importantly, do they love you? The understanding is, we're going to create, we're going to find our people and we're going to create the family we want. I want to read these last scriptures to you and I'm going to call Mr. Bruce up. Proverbs tells us this, in Proverbs 18.24, there is friends who destroy each other. Those are people we're not trying to hang around with. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. A real friend sticks closer than a brother. I told you this already in Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Sometimes you need somebody to give you a good kick in the butt. I'm just, sometimes you need to go, am I crazy for thinking this? And that friend will go, yes, you are. That's okay. It says this in, in Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from many an enemy. Again, that's that ki- wounds. It's saying, hey, Tyler, you're supposed to pick me up at 830 and you overslept. I'm picking on Tyler this morning. Here, let me tell you. My friend, my, I, I, I was lending my car out, so I called Tyler. I texted Tyler this morning at 8 o'clock. I said, Tyler, are you, are you going to church today? He said, yes, I'm going to church. Absolutely. All right. Can you come pick me up? Sweet. What time do you want to be there? I was like, oh, as long as it's before 10, I'm good. He go, all right, I could be there at 9.15. I said, well, hold on. That's a little anxious. I don't need to be there that early. How about 9.30? Tyler's like, bet. 9.30, Tyler texts me. I just woke up. I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> Wounds. Sometimes you need a good kick in the butt is what I'm getting at. So Tyler, come on, man. Get it together. That's my boy. All right. Proverbs 29, uh, 27.9 says this. Heartful counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Last one. Proverbs 27.10 says this. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When, desi- when disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. I want to encourage you guys, get plugged into a small group. Because that small group may just be the people that you're looking for. When you find your people, you can create that group that Misty so eloquently spoke to us. Those people that if you have needs with your kids, they may help you, find, help you solve those needs. 
those people that may pray for you because you're going through things. Look, we all going through things. It doesn't hurt to get a little bit of prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. Those people that, hey, you need a meal, they're going to bring you a meal. Maybe you just need somebody to laugh with, go to the movies with, they will go to the movies with you. Maybe you need somebody to shoulder to cry on because you're going through something. When you find those people, you can begin to create the family you want. Because I say it again, we all weren't born into great families. As I often would tell my kids, you, can pick, you can't pick your nose, but you can pick your friends. You can pick your friends. It's going to get worse than this, just to let you know. Just to let you know. You guys, you guys this is what you pray for. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> so hold your horses. Hold on, because we're going there. Let's close, with it. Let's close in prayer. Father, today, we just thank you. Let me pause. As your head bows and eyes are closed, I'm reminded of how important it is to be a part of God's family. So while your head's bowed and eyes are closed, if you're in this room, maybe you've been coming to this church for a while, and you're like, you know what? I haven't joined God's family. And I want to accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. If that's you... Let me tell you why that's important. Because Jesus said that I loved you enough that I came, I'm here just to die for you. He says this in John 3.16, which is a very popular verse, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So today, if you're in this room, you heard this message, you're like, I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you, we want to pray with and for you. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand right now. I'm going to ask you to do a heart check. And after this message, when we have the prayer team down here, I want you to be bold enough to come up here and talk to them. So, everyone that's here, would you mind praying with me today and repeating this after me? Dear God, I'm just grateful for your son, Jesus, that he came to earth to die for me. I realize that I've messed up and I want to get it right. Jesus, now come into my heart and save me. I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me close in prayer. All right, sorry. Let me close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for everyone here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving in the lives of your people. Lord, that you spoke to them what they needed to hear. I ask you, Lord, right now, that we will begin to create the families, create the families that we want. We'll find people that love you, that love others, and that love us. I thank you for that. We're going to tear down the walls that has been keeping us separated from experiencing you in a real way. We're going to be bold enough to join a small group. I thank you for these things and more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Gary come up, please, if you guys, I don't know if I'm posted, I don't know how to do this. Come on, Gary. Amen. <laughs> Mr. Daniel's Neighborhood, it's a special place. <laughs> Thank you so much. Our prayer partners are going to come up front now. If you have 
committed yourself to following Jesus today for the very first time, come up and tell one of these people, confess that with your mouth, and let us be, as a church, being able to help you and start your Christian walk. So um, come up, and if you have anything else that you want one of these folks to pray for, um, they'd be glad to do that after service as well. I want to remind you of a couple things. Giving, we're so thankful for your continued generosity. We can't do the things we do inside the church or outside the church without financial resources. So thank you guys for doing that. A lot of different ways to give. You can text to give. You can give online. Um, you can put a check in the box back here. Cash is always appropriate as well. Um, so we thank you for continuing to support the work that's going on here at Cornerstone. I want to remind you again, as, as Pastor Stephen was saying, small group sign-up is out there today. Take a couple minutes if you haven't signed up. Walk around, talk to some folks, and uh, and see. I was thinking that when he talks about neighborhood, you know, I think when we were growing up, some of us who are a little bit older, your neighborhood, you knew your neighbors. It was part of what you did. It was part of your family almost. And that's what church needs to be, too, is that it takes the place. I think sometimes we don't have that in our physical neighborhood, but we can have that here, that we can have folks that we can rely on, that look out for each other, um, that are there for each other. So thank you. If you guys want to go ahead and stand, we're going to send you out with the Lord's blessing out of numbers, as we always do. We don't do this out of habit. We don't do this just out of repetition. We, We do it because we believe it. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you. Make sure you take a couple minutes to, to stop at the small group table out there. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.